welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcasts that allows authors to record their own writing tips to share on our very own Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast. And you can find that along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, today I have a recent Firebird Book Award winning author to share with you. She is Nikki Langman, and her winning book is titled How to Be a Badass, Navigating Your Road to Self-Mastery. Nikki is an international speaker, author, consultant, and facilitator with a focus on emotional intelligence, communication, and leadership development. She is a master practitioner of Genos International Emotional Intelligence Programs and certified in DISC Advanced Behavioral Profile Systems and LEGO Serious Play Methodology. There's so much more to know, and we are about to find out a bit more. So welcome to the network, Nikki. Hi, Pat. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Oh, and we just have to let everyone know that you are so dedicated to this interview. It is 5 o'clock a.m. in Australia, and so we are first on her schedule today. So that's uh, quite a way to start your day. So thank you for doing that. Oh, it's one of the beauties of um, being so connected worldwide now is that, you know, through technology, through things like Zoom and even the, you know, the telephone, we have the ability to do things at all hours of the day to connect with people all over the world. So it is my pleasure and my honor to be here to you know, share my thoughts and a little bit about what I do and, and my book with your international audience. Well, thank you, thank you. And congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. I was happy to share that with you. I was very, very excited about that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know, I think it takes... Um, any author will will nod their head and and relate. You know, it takes a lot of passion, energy, and dedication to get that book to the finish line, and uh, then to you know subsequently be rewarded for your effort is, I think, one of the greatest feelings that an author can experience. I agree with that, but there's a step in between. You have to be brave enough to put it out there for a book award. So a lot of people think. Mm. Should I? Is anyone going to give me a good positive feedback? I always encourage people to take that leap and, you know, hopefully you get the good result. And it just makes all the difference in the world. It's such an intrinsic value, I think, to winning a book award. I love that, Pat. And I'm so glad that you used the word bravery because I know that we are going to discuss that as this conversation progresses, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we get into that, though, I am interested in Lego Serious Play. Yeah, it is um, fascinating, and let me tell you, it is one of my favorite tools to be using now in a professional development corporate workspace environment. And the reasons for that are that you know we, you know, when we think of Legos, we think of a child's toy. Um, but there has been a lot of scientific research that has come about in the last. I'm going to be liberal and say probably 40 to 50 years. So it's been building over time where when we use imagination and creative play in adult learning situations. So, you know, let's take workplace professional development context. It unleashes a part of our brain that we don't use very much as adults. So the way I describe it is the, the older we get, the more sophisticated our tools that become. 
and we start relying more on our cognitive functions as adults. So we rely on our thinking brain and we lose the imagination and the curiosity that we had as children. As parents, we can reclaim some of that, but we often don't translate that into how can we apply this in our adult lives as opposed to just hanging out with our kids and building Legos on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I love to use Lego for, especially, are high-conflict situations where there might be uh, cultural barriers or communication barriers that have led to a, a business culture breakdown. And I can get people into a room and entice them with a boardroom full of Legos, give them the scientific research and some anecdotes that will help them to overcome their barriers of, why are we doing this? This is a waste of time. There's nothing to be gained by sitting here and playing with Legos for two hours. And then when I give them some data, it then can kind of engage that cognitive process. And then I'm able to break down barriers and get people to start honestly talking about, uh, you know, the, the issues that, the, that are happening in their workplace and how can we get to a point of negotiation or resolution. Mm. So it's a, a wonderful tool. And thanks to us coming, uh, I hesitate to say out of the pandemic because I, I think some people feel that way and some people feel like we're not there yet. But as we're emerging from the last couple of years and getting back into more physical contact, uh, there is more acceptance about sharing objects in a in a physical mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that work is returning to uh, the agenda more and more regularly. Oh my gosh, I am fascinated by this. And then you just mentioned I I, I didn't even think of the idea of sharing toys. Um, you know. <laughs> And, you know, we mentioned the word bravery. I also think it probably takes a little level of bravery for folks to enter a boardroom, see all of these Legos and think, am I really going to partake in this? And and how do I, how do I break down these adult barriers that I have and really let loose it with that childlike imagination? So I think it takes a level of bravery as well to, to take part in that. Yeah, it does. And there usually is initial resistance, yes. but people often come out of those sessions uh, inspired. Yep. And I think that the, the higher people who are maybe in occupations where they rely more on their cognitive intelligence as affirmation um, the, uh, of their, their worthiness. So I'm going to say people like engineers or financial professionals mm-hmm. who use their cognitive brain very regularly and perhaps unconsciously measure their worth by their IQ. Um, It can be very intimidating in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the evidence, and that's why I will put the science up front for those people who are a bit resistant to the idea. And that's where your whole DISC uh, behavioral profile comes in, where you can figure out who you've got in the room and to to appeal to all of those personality types uh, and pull it all together. I understand how that all happens. Yes. And oftentimes it's very useful if I already have that information about the people who will be participating, Mm -hmm. because then I know, you know, who's going to need a little bit more handholding in the beginning because of their uh, deep need for detailed information. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other people who are just willing to kind of go with the flow and, and think, well, Hey, you know, I have no problem spending the next couple of hours playing, you know, this is better than what I, you know, the tasks that I've got on my to-do list anyway. Mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, it, it kind of all, all that human behavior information does intertwine that are beautifully. Thank you for sharing Lego. I'm going to look a little bit further into that on my own. I appreciate your giving me a little peek into that. Before we get started with your book, give us some of your background and journey, because that is part of your book. It is part of my book. I'll, I'll uh, give your readers, oh, sorry, your listeners and readers, mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, some context around you know, my why. Why did I write the book? So from the professional work that I have been doing for many years around um, emotional intelligence and, and learning and development and professional development, I have become very comfortable speaking in front of groups of people. And especially with emotional intelligence, there are many competencies that are often discussed around self-awareness and self-management. So, you know, how aware are you about the things that you do, the impact you have on other people, and the way you manage your emotions and uh, demonstrate resilience. So I've been talking about these things for a very long time and then wanted to pursue professional speaking as another avenue of a personal development. So taking what I do in front of closed door rooms of people into larger rooms of people in the form of conferences and events and whatnot. And in my development as a professional speaker, I learned that the most powerful speakers, the most powerful motivational speakers that we know, I mean, think you know, think big, think Oprah, Brene Brown, Tony Robbins, people like that. They all have stories and they all use their personal stories as part of their credibility. So for me to get on stage and I was trying very hard to approach professional speaking as using my professional experience to build credibility. And I realized that I couldn't do that without getting personal and a bit vulnerable. Because the response I would get is, why are you an authority in this area? How can you stand on stage and talk to me about resilience and being the most powerful version of yourself? Who are you? And so I, I thought, well, okay, what, one, what is a common denominator that a lot of speakers have in common? Aside from using their personal story as part of their um, delivery, They also have tangible things such as they have written a book or they have online courses or they have something that helps to demonstrate their credibility. And I was terrified to open the door to my own vulnerability. In fact, I I thought that, and we have progressed a long way in the last few years um, and even just going through the last two or three years with covid has been like an accelerant on acceptance around mental health, around things like addiction, around our um, this these things that are stigmatized by society and that cause personal shame that keeps people quiet about their own personal struggles. And so I've I had to make some really big decisions and have a lot of conversations with the mirror about how much of my personal journey do I want to share publicly? And am I going to be okay with that? Will my family be okay with that? And will that come back and bite me at some point? Um, 
So my personal story is heavily rooted in addiction. And addiction starting with alcohol at a very, very young age. Um, in my book, I, I do take the reader deep in the beginning because I want, I, I, you know, I'm a, I, I am, I, I have addiction to the very true core of what that means, meaning that I don't do anything halfway. So, you know, I, I, I kind of joke, you know, it's, it, it is hot or cold. It is all or nothing. I don't have that moderator button. It's broken. So when I decided, that I was going to tell my story and I was going to write a book and just and kind of share with people who I was and what led me into this, this field of emotional intelligence behavior study and trying to understand why we do what we do. I, um, I decided, well, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to share this story, I'm not going to hold back. And so the beginning of my book is, me taking the reader very deep into that firsthand perspective of what addiction actually looks and feels like from the person who is experiencing it. And I think it's a very valuable perspective, and it was very brave and very risky to do that um, for me. You know, I, that, that was my feeling. It was, it was a risky move for me um, because I'd never told it before. I'd always kept it private. However, I've, the feedback that I have gotten from people, especially loved ones of those who have struggled with addiction or have lost somebody to addiction, it has been such an eye-opener for them to hear the truth from somebody who was in the trenches and lived with that, that cloak of shame and secrecy. Um, but then I take the reader back out and I, I, I show them my journey back out and in a nutshell, it took me about 30 years in and out of treatment, in and out of sobriety and relapse, in and out of, um, you know, feeling like a moral failure and a person who was a disappointment to others. Um, and then I, you know, talk about the journey out into lasting recovery and the uh, action steps that I took. Um, you know, to, to kind of secure a future that was, you know, where I knew I was done. I had finally gotten to that point of full surrender. Wow, you talk about bravery because once you put that out, Nikki, once it's a book and it's out there, you can't take it back. It's you know, it's 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 done. So what a decision for you to make that decision and then carry carry it through. I said those exact words to myself too. <laughs> yeah, once it's published yeah. and it's out there and anyone in the world can buy it, you know, there is absolutely no way that you can go back on that. So yeah, and that's why a lot of those conversations with the mirror had to happen. Mm -hmm. And I had to choose the stories specifically that gave the broadest range that showed the reader the, you know, the, the progression from, you know, the first drink I took at seven years old where that was it was not a a choice to drink it was an observation of you know adults around me had this magic water that when they were sad or upset that this magic water seemed to make everything better so you know that must work and it was very childlike and innocent and then I selected you know certain story and there was there was a lot of things too my editor said mm, you might want to take that one out oh. that, that's probably not the best story to tell. Oh. Um, but it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a very, very deep process of 
you know, what am I going to be okay with disclosing that's going to have the most impact on the reader, but also, you know, not put me back to a point of self-destruction because I've told too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that kind of speaks to why you picked the title, How to Be a Badass. Let's talk about that, because that, that was a word choice that you decided on clearly. It was a word choice, and I, I love talking about how I got to it. So a uh, little bit of a, um, a reveal. It is an acronym, and but it did not start out as an acronym. So part of my, you know, as I was training to be a professional speaker and, and creating my, my first keynote address, I... I used the word badass as a an affirmation. And it was actually an affirmation that I have used most of my life. So in times where maybe I would make a, a career decision and then start to question myself and feel like, you know, I took this leap of faith and now I'm stalling midair, I would use the word badass as an affirmation of, come on, girl, you got this. You're a badass. You know what you're doing. Don't doubt yourself. You know, come on, badass. You can do it. And I've always loved the word, always loved the word. So I used it in that context, but very quickly got feedback from my mentors and, and teachers that not everyone interprets that word the same way. And in fact, there were people in my own family too who had no interest in, uh, in, you know, uh, hearing that keynote or, you know, reading the book, even when they didn't know yet it was an acronym, they, they looked at it as, well, that's a curse word. I don't want to have anything to do with a book that has a curse word in the title. And uh, so I thought, mm, right, okay, how can I frame this in a way that I can describe what the affirmation means to me? So when I say the word badass, what do I mean? And so part of the, part of the book, without going into too much of this detail, is you know, when I finally found lasting sobriety and I was sober, I, you know, a few years, um, under my belt and I, I realized I was miserable. And I, I thought, God, I, I, you know, I've taken away my outlook, but I hadn't been able to control the emotions. So anger was a big one for me. And I found that, you know, here I was, I was in my late thirties. I had finally gotten to a point of I'm done. You know, I'm done with this life. I'm I, I fully accepted. I cannot do this. I cannot go back. I don't have the capacity to you know to drink normally. Um, and I was okay with that. But I just didn't like being angry all the time. And so I I in trying to find new ways of dealing with it, discovered a passion for endurance running and athletics in my early 40s. So starting around 39, started training to be an endurance runner. And I do, in, in the book, I tell you know, some very, very funny stories about how I was you know, not, uh, not interested in exercise at all. And that was actually like a last resort that ended up uh, uncovering a passion I never knew was there. But in the, you know, in, in the word badass, I spent a lot of time on the road as an endurance runner, because I think that's where I do my best thinking is when I'm alone, the endorphins are pumping, the happy hormones are flowing, and I can think clearly. And so I, I spent you know, thousands of miles hitting the pavement just going, what is a badass? And the way that I had defined it is, is somebody who is the most powerful version of themselves. 
And I knew I was living that. I was living that. I was demonstrating it. People could see it. Um, I inspired people, but I had to define it in a way that couldn't be interpreted as a curse word. So the acronym is, get this, so B is brave, A, authentic, D, direction, as in purpose, A, action, S, self-love, and S, self-talk, B-A-B-A-S. I love that. You did it. I did it. I know, and it worked out so well. Um, But the book itself is, you know, the first half is my story, and the second half is a framework, Mm -hmm. so the the badass framework, and almost a manual or, you know, a guide for other people about how, uh, you know, regardless of what your adversity has been, regardless of what your life story has been, we all can use some thought and some inspiration about how do we be more authentic? Mm-hmm. What does bravery mean to us? Um, and there's certainly no self-mastery without self-love. Right, and your tagline then ties that all in. So if someone reads How to Be a Badass and you didn't have the tagline, maybe they would have no idea of what you're talking about. But navigating your road to self-mastery, I mean, it all ties in beautifully. And I, I think it, it, without even reading the book, you know that this is going to be no nonsense. You're going to get to the point. You're going to come away knowing something when you get done reading the book. Yes, yes. And that's, and that's exactly the angle that I wrote it with. It's, it's not a book about addiction completely. Right. That's just my story. Right. Um, it's a book about how do you get knocked down 17 times in life mm-hmm. and get up 18? Yep. You know, how do you how do you manage whatever uh, struggles and adversity you have faced, and how do you be the most powerful version of you? Mm-hmm. I can tell that even just from the cover of your book and looking at your website that everything is intentional. And so I also want to talk about your choice of colors. It's um, it's very uh, poignant that the book awards were called the Firebird Book Awards <laughs> um, because I've always had a very strong tie to the idea of fire. And if you look at my, on my website, you'll see my, my name is my logo and it is kind of, it looks like flames. Mm-hmm. Um, and the background of my website is also muted flames. So there are many elements of fire in the design of my website and the, and the purpose in choosing the color orange. Uh, so orange is, is the primary color I use, but then I use shades and variations of orange. And brown does kind of tie into that as well mm-hmm. as just kind of a, you know, a, a, a background choice that helps the orange kind of come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest, if you look at my book cover, it is, you know, kind of purposely muted with the orange being very dominant. And it's funny, I, you know, I think there's so many, there's so many things about fire that are um, personal and we don't have time to discuss, but, you know, I'm a Sagittarius, which is a fire sign. Mm -hmm. I was born the year of the snake in the Chinese zodiac with the element of fire, so the fire snake. Um, and then I, I loved, you know, when I entered the Firebird Book Awards, I thought, well, I've got to win this because <laughs> this is just, 
you know, this is absolutely true to my core. Um, and even the, the Firebird Book Awards logo um, or, or sticker is going to be so beautiful on my cover because it's just perfect as far as colors. But that was the primary reason for the orange was the symbolism of fire. I knew there was something I wasn't quite sure, so I thought I need to ask that question as well. I don't think I've ever asked anybody the question of why they chose colors, but somehow I just felt that I needed to do that today. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that either, but I'm so glad you did um, because, yeah, there, there definitely was intention. And it ties into the Firebird Book Awards, so that's pretty cool as well. Oh, my gosh. So with all of this that you've put into this book, it has really worked for you and for your audience because now you do training and you do speaking. And it, 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 as you say, it, it all, oh, I think it allows your audience to realize that you're for real. Yeah, it does. It definitely provides the credibility. And it has also opened other doors that I didn't really see in my career pathway. Um, because again, you know, five, five, between five and 10 years ago to, you know, to be vulnerable in a corporate environment and disclose that you had a history of addiction yes. in my mind would have been career suicide. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't have done it. But when we, when we become vulnerable and when we are authentic with others, we give them permission to do the same. And, a lot of opportunities have opened up for me since I started using my personal story as part of the work that I do. Um, and definitely with the book, with people who have read the book or are familiar with the book, even if they haven't read it themselves, um, I give, I now give people permission to be vulnerable and honest. And to me, that is one of the greatest gifts that I could ever take my own adversity and use it as a force for good. Absolutely, 100%. It is it is a gift that you're putting out there. And what I love about gifts that you put out into the world, you don't often know all of the people uh, who are impacted by your book or your, your, your speaking events or, or the training that you do. You just don't know. Random people from around the world could pick up your book and you will never know them. They will never know you personally. And you'll never know the impact it makes. And to me, to me, that is what is so very special about you and your book. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And to anyone listening, feedback matters. It really matters. And I know sometimes we feel like people are out of our reach. Um, so, you know, if I were to write a letter to Brene Brown and just tell her how much she'd inspired me, I don't know if I'd have the confidence it would ever be read mm-hmm. because of you know, in my mind, it's like, oh, this person's way too busy. They're not going to read this. But I, I, I actually have gotten text messages, emails, uh, notes on my website from people that have absolutely rocked my world just by taking the time to write something that took them three minutes, mm-hmm. maybe 30 minutes of deliberation as to whether to send it or not. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it, it makes my day. It makes my week. And, so my recommendation to people is, you know, be be brave. If somebody does inspire you or you want to say something to them, don't worry about will they ever personally read it because you don't have any control over that. But if they do and they do get that feedback, it might make a very big difference 
to the next decisions that they make about, you know, inspiring them to go further and farther to help more and more people. You are a lovely soul. What an inspiration. I'm so happy we're having this conversation. And I want to make sure we're not missing anything because there is so much. Um, I just want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight today. It's been a great conversation, Pat. It really has. Thank you so much. Uh, and it's such a wonderful opportunity to, and, and it was, it was brave. It was vulnerable and a little bit scary <laughs> to submit my book for, for a Firebird Book Award. Um, and, very validating to have received an award. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the message I want to leave with your listeners is, you know, every day that you show up in the world as a badass, you're going to influence others. Mm-hmm. So simply striving to be your most powerful self will inspire people to upgrade their own efforts. Absolutely. And if you ever doubt how much power you have, just remember it only takes one match to start an explosion. All right. Well, we can't say anything more than that. I just got, I just got chills. <laughs> All right, my friend, you are awesome. Please share contact information. Where can folks find out more about you and your work and your book, How to Be a Badass, Navigating Your Road to Self-Mastery? Where can we find all these things? Everything will be on my website, which is NikkiLangman.com. And I'm sure you'll have this in the show notes, but I'll spell it N-I-K-K-I. L-A-N-G-M-A-N.com. And from there, there's a link to, you'll see on the top menu, Badass Book, uh, the work that I do. I do work at, at all over the world, so I do uh, keynotes and programs virtually now that we have the ability to do that. So, um, And I, I do love when people purchase the book from my website because then it does give me that ability to stay in contact with you, mm-hmm. um, to communicate with you and, and to bring you know, the reader into my inner circle. So um, I, I always love that visibility. All right. Let's everybody get copies of the book, How to Be a Badass, Navigating Your Road to Self-Mastery by Nikki Langman and get it at her website, NikkiLangman.com. You are so special and so chipper right off the bat, bright and early this morning. So I so appreciate you taking the time to share you, your heart, your work with us today. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much for letting me be here.